Welcome to episode five of our podcast, Same But Different, brought to you by Stepping Stones NI, where we see everyone's potential. With me, Simon. And me, Megan. And together, we'll be taking you with us on a 10-week journey of facts, stories, and reality surrounding our world this past year in relation to employment, our own barriers, and mental health. Megan and I are employment officers who work for Stepping Stones NI, and we are based in the Newry Moorland Down area. We work with people to try and get them into employment, as well as trying to break down barriers and stereotypes. Those barriers include, but not limited to, ASD, disabilities, learning difficulties and mental health, including depression and anxiety being the most common. We work with our clients on a one-to-one basis and offer a safe space, confidentiality and a person-centred approach. So we hope you can stick around with us and join us on our same but different journey. So today we have a special guest on the podcast. We have Roisin Lavery from the Equality Commission. Hello, Roisin. Hello, Simon. Thank you again for joining us today. Roisin, would you be able just to give us a bit of a breakdown about what your role is with the Equality Commission? Yes, definitely. So I'm Roisin Lavery and I work for the Equality Commission. So I work within the advisory services team and what we do Um, is we advise employers and service providers um, about their duties and responsibilities under the law. For those of you who don't know who the Equality Commission are, I suppose, is we are the um, statutory body who have been set up to um, promote equality of opportunity to challenge discrimination in Northern Ireland. So um, ultimately, it's our role to eliminate discrimination. Um, We we do that by using a range of mechanisms um, including policy work, research. Um, We provide legal advice to individuals um, and then we provide advice and support to employers and service providers. Um, For individuals, I suppose, if they feel they are discriminated against, they they can ring us, you know, we have a confidential advice line as well. So my role um, involves day-to-day, we provide an employer advice line. So employers, um, if they have any questions about equality or discrimination, they can contact us um, on our advice line number, which you can give at the end. Um, We also have a fairly extensive uh, training program, um, which covers um, loads of different areas of discrimination, but about five different um, separate subjects around disability, interestingly. Um, given the nature of um, actually how complex this area of discrimination can be. So um, I'm delighted to be with you today and thanks for asking me to be involved. Well, that's no problem, Roisin. We're you know, glad to have you because today's episode is really all about um, breaking down barriers, looking at sort of some themes around that and discrimination quality. And uh, I suppose really Megan and I had been looking at um, a theme for the podcast and one of the first things we thought we would talk about or explore would be um, you know, about how people with barriers feel, you know, that they might not be chosen for a job role, you know, compared with those who don't have any barriers, you know, just what are some of the thoughts yeah. or some of the feelings or maybe just some of the things behind that. Again, yeah. um, you know, we try to maybe say, okay, well, maybe things have changed. Has it got better for people with disabilities and barriers? Um, you know, when they're, they're not chosen, what's going through their heads or did they get any feedback as to maybe why that's happened, you know, compared with those who don't? And we yeah. just wanted to have a bit of a look at that and try and see, okay, well, um, could we find any information from maybe five years ago and try and compare it to now? And um, yeah. Roshan, would, would you even have noticed any yeah. change in the past five years yourself about that? 
Um, I suppose what I would say is, first of all, for individuals out there, don't despair. You know, there are um, so many employers want to do the right thing. So many employers contact us and want to take positive steps to improve in the picture um, and the employment relationship for people with disabilities. So um, please don't despair. Um, there are lots of good practice employers out there who do really good work. But um, on the flip side of that, I do have to say um, that the picture for people with disabilities um, doesn't appear to be improving very much. Um, you know, there's still a 40 plus percentage employment gap between people with disabilities and people without. Um, and this can occur for a number of reasons. Um, it can be um, because of poor attitudes um, and it can be because of negative attitudes towards people with disabilities. But what we find is we, we carried out research. So our research department, um, they did an extensive survey and they find that on behalf of people with disabilities um, that there, people with disabilities, they're more likely to be lacking work, but wanting it. Mm -hmm. um, they're more likely to be in low paid positions. They are more likely to be in part time positions um, and they're more likely to have lower educational attainment levels. OK, but but saying that even when educational attainment levels are high, participation in employment is still lower. Now, that clearly paints a picture of inequality. That is clear to all of us that there are still barriers faced by people with disabilities. But this report also found that um, once accessing employment, um, employers making reasonable adjustments. So um, that was very limited. So reasonable adjustments not being made. Um, once reasonable adjustments are put into place, they're not being regularly reevaluated. You know, because symptoms fluctuate and conditions do change and individual needs will change as a result. So in an employment scenario, an individual may have needed to start later in the day. Um, that might need to change. They might need to finish earlier instead. So that would be a reasonable adjustment. Very straightforward thing to do. Now, there's a massive fear um, for people with disabilities in taking sickness absence. Um, there's a pressure to work beyond their capacity. And there's a fear of losing jobs. But when we looked at the research, there's a massive gap when it comes to what happens once somebody is in employment. So we don't know what the picture looks like. Are they promoted? Um, do they progress? Um, so there's a little gap in information that would be really good mm -hmm. um, for somebody to bridge that so we know what the picture looks like once somebody is in employment because it can be a matter of right you know we've accessed employment now job done you know we all want to progress in our careers and that'll be no different for somebody with a disability you know but I suppose um, attitude remains a massive massive barrier um, for people with disabilities and that's why we work with employers um, and we encourage training for staff and um, having really good policies and procedures. So that's just one of a, a couple of things that employers can do um, to improve the picture. Uh, Roshan, everything you've just talked about there, again, um, again, about people even having the qualifications, you know, they could be university level and still not getting these job opportunities, you know, anyone yeah. with a barrier. Um, I just wanted to link in this case study we looked at from 2016. Um, it was a male called Daryl from the UK who was wheelchair bound, again, university graduate, 
had applied for basic admin roles that he was more than qualified for. And he was saying that he feels like um, people with the same qualifications are probably getting the job because he, he, because he has a disability. He had applied for over 400 roles and felt deflated because he didn't get any interviews from any of these applications. And what he decided to do was remove his disability from CVs. And then he started to get interview roles and you know, the interview opportunities. And what he said was, I feel employers are scared of people with disabilities. Is that something that you would have come across before? Again, you've touched on it a wee bit, but that really just links in with what you've said there. Yeah, definitely. You know, we advise, um, as we do for um, for employment reasons, you know, you, you monitor that that information separately. It goes to a separate officer within the organisation, you know, unless um, a reasonable adjustment is needed in the room. And there's no reason why a panel need the information about disability. So we would advise that information about disability is recorded separately to avoid that. But ultimately, you know, that Daryl would have required, um, I suppose the panel would would be informed um, because there are lots of reasonable adjustments that, that he would need to attend interview. Um, but but he's right, you know, there is a fear factor and um, sometimes um, it isn't necessarily I want to discriminate against an individual. It's just a lack of, um, I suppose, confidence, a lack of knowledge on what the, the duties and responsibilities are under the law. And remember, the duty to make a reasonable adjustment is an absolute duty. It's not, um, you know, it's not up for debate. It is a must do duty because a failure to make a reasonable adjustment will always be disability discrimination. Um, so I think lack of knowledge, um, there's a fear factor, but that that being said, it is still the, the employer's responsibility to understand the duties under the law and to ensure that all staff um, adhere to the policies and procedures as laid out so that things like that don't happen. That's not even unconscious bias, that is conscious bias there um, yeah. straight away, you know. And, you know, the same, um, the same, the same experiment has been carried out by universities before, where they send um, CVs out um, with English-sounding names and then other, and you get a similar rate of return. You know, um, so uh, it's kind of widespread practice, I suppose. And we have actually just then compared because we're quite interested in that case study, which we found in 2016 about Daryl. And we wanted like an updated one in 2021 to compare. So we yeah. did find a girl um, just to see the difference in them all. And we did find a girl called Emma Dobson. And she has been the case for um, she's a disability blogger at the minute. So she's blogged her her actual journey. And this is all through the pandemic. Um, and she's a 24 year old so she uses again a wheelchair just like Daryl due to her cerebral palsy and she spent the last 12 months job hunting since finishing her master's degree in cognitive cognitive neuroscience at Birmingham Ashton University so very smart girl um, and she's just telling the story um, the big issue she's told that she has sent out 200 job applications for roles as a support worker a research mm-hmm. assistant and a content creation resulting in 15 job interviews and in three cases Emma claimed accessible accessibility was the reason she was given for missing out in work. So she couldn't get into the building because they didn't have wheelchair access for her or to get well, ways for her to get up and down the different floors, which I think in 2021, I was quite shocked at that, like for her to miss out on a job interview because or on a job that she was yeah. she could do perfectly well just because there was no wheelchair access for her to enter the building yeah 
Yeah, I mean, the, the rule is quite simple. It's if there is a barrier, you do one of three things. You remove the barrier, you avoid the barrier or you avoid the barrier. So um, I suppose for attending an entry, why couldn't that have been done online? You know, why did she need to, first of all, if there was a difficulty with access um, and physical access can be quite complex. However, um, there were alternatives and plenty of alternatives. Now employers have to do what is reasonable um, you know, it looks like um, that might be called direct discrimination. So if um, she was unable to actually even attend the interview, what, what efforts were made to make a reasonable adjustment for? You know, one would straight away would have been do the interview online in the first instance and then try and get the access issue sorted and resolved for, you know, I mean, that's a barrier straight away. Um, but, it, but, but they could have overcome it. There are yeah. lots of different options, you know, there are lots of other options and and the duty to make a reasonable adjustment does not only begin once you're in employment, it covers applicants, so um, she was absolutely covered um, by, if that was in Northern Ireland, she'd be covered by the Disability Discrimination Act, so you know, potentially she could have, she could have made a complaint and alleged discrimination. Yeah, and I think she actually did start to look into like how um, people with disabilities are doing during the pandemic and that led her into like this case study of her own. And she did find that new research from Think Tank Learning and Work Institute and the Black Stork Charity revealed progress on helping disabled people into work had been hit hard by COVID-19. Out of work, disabled people were significantly less likely to be in work by the last by the end of last year and twice as likely to be long term unemployed than non-disabled people people um yeah. and it was 60 percent more likely you were to lose your job during the pandemic having a disability mm-hmm. so well there there you go and i mean you know when it comes to the calls that we get and don't forget we deal with all equality areas not just disability so year on year um calls from individuals alleging discrimination remain the highest of all of our calls so um like last year 40% of calls to our inquiry line were from people with disabilities alleging some form of discrimination. So for us, um, think of the people who don't complain. That, that's people who um, are taking steps, um, you know, to try and find out, well, why has this happened? Is this discrimination? Um, can I do anything about this? You're talking to 1,250 people. And wow. a lot of people will not come forward, but nearly, nearly half of our calls across all equality areas so it remains high now we've had the dds the disability discrimination act since 1995 you know why why is the picture not better here it it really should be um awareness individuals are more aware of their rights now um, mm-hmm. but employers if they don't know what their duties and responsibilities are under our equality laws um they, they need to find out because that won't provide a defence if a case goes to tribunal. Lack of knowledge is not a defence. Um, and, you know, they could be found um, in breach of our equality laws. Okay, yeah, that's very interesting. Um, well, what about the employers? Like, so what can they actually do? Do they have, is the law that they have to have a specific rule for um people with barriers or disabilities like they have to advertise a certain amount of jobs is that like ring fencing is that is that law or is that just something that you advise them to do well the thing is you know we the disability discrimination act is a fabulous piece of legislation which allows for 
more positive action steps and measures than any other equality law. So for people with disabilities, um, we can do an awful lot more to assist them into the um, the employment market. So first of all, we're all very familiar with things that you can do. We don't advise setting quotas. All right. So on average, what if one in five people in Northern Ireland have a disability, then what we said employers is, you know, have a look at your, um, you know, your your employees. Like, do you monitor that information? If you do, um, are one in five of your employees do they, do they have a disability? If not, um, it could be people aren't declaring it. Um, it could be that you um, aren't open and welcoming to people with disabilities. You know, it could be for a number of reasons. But but if your picture does not look like that, then you can do things to remedy that. We don't advise quotas because then it can become tokenistic. But there are a number of things you can do. So the first one, um, so remember, positive action. These are these are lawful steps. Okay, that under equality law that employers are allowed to do and they cannot be challenged. So lawful steps that you're allowed to do. Um, and remember, it's to improve employment opportunities for people with disabilities. So um, put a welcome statement on job adverts. You know, we particularly welcome applications from people with disabilities. That's very simple. Um, we're all very familiar with seeing those statements um, in practice. Um, does it actually change um, who you appoint, um, you, you would need to look at your own um, employment data to see, see if it does, but you can offer training opportunities specifically for people with disabilities. Um, you can offer a guaranteed interview scheme. So, um, and I'll I can talk about that in more detail um, if you want. Um, you can offer short-term, and I, I, I um, repeat short-term work trials. Mm -hmm. So, so, instead of perhaps the traditional interview scenario, yeah. um, why not ask someone to come in and work for a few hours in the role that they're going to be doing and, yeah. and assess them and have really good assessment method because, you know, sometimes um, an interview might be a barrier for an individual. They might actually perform better if they're actually doing the job. But importantly and crucially, under the DDS, so that's the Disability Discrimination Act, you can ring fence or reserve jobs solely for people with disabilities and nobody else can complain. So that means that um, if an employer um, has a vacancy, they can lawfully advertise the job as only being um, open to people with disabilities. Now, yes. it can't, you, if you keep it general, it's lawful. So um, it needs to be general, people with disabilities. It can't be um, this job is reserved um, for people who are blind or people who are deaf or people with mental ill health. Um, if you keep it disability disability generic, um, it's a lawful step you can take. And we would encourage all employers to do that. Um, if anybody does want to do that, please get in touch with us because it would certainly help you along the, to keep you on the right side of the law um, in taking that action. And it's a really, that's, I suppose that's the ultimate positive action step that you can take, you know, so these are lawful actions. Um, there are a few employers who have taken um, the decision to reserve and ring fence um, jobs solely for people with disabilities. Um, and they've done so with our, with our help and suppose that they've attended our training so they know that this is an option because remember, um, um, it probably sounds quite strange to say um, under our equality laws here, you can restrict employment to one group 
because we're used to this, um, I suppose, the whole message of equality of opportunity, equality for all. When it comes to people with disabilities, um, the law has been arranged to be slightly different um, to acknowledge the high levels of discrimination and the barriers faced. So um, there are lawful steps that, that any employer can take and we would really love it if more people would do that. Um, the other thing that we would say is please use employment support organizations. So such as yourselves, Simon and Megan, you know, um, yes. there's so much, and I'm sure you talk about it, but the amount of expertise and support that you can get, that employers can get um, by reaching out and working with, you know, the disability sector um, is just huge. Um, quite often, people in a HR role are forced to make medical decisions about people's medical conditions or disabilities. We're not medical experts. We're human resource professionals. So um, our message, I suppose, is please don't make decisions on um, inaccurate information or based on assumptions. You know, that's why we encourage you to reach out to the disability sector and work in partnership, um, you know, with them on employment support programs and stuff. You know, there's loads of different things that you can do. Fantastic. Thank you, Roisin. Well, that's, well, that, you know, that's sort of leads us into like, you know, like you said, you know, touching base with people like ourselves and our organizations about what we do and, you know, what we offer. So obviously with us at Stepping Stones and I, there's a lot of different support um, for people with buyers, you know, that could help overcome the fears or help, you know, maybe any reservations they have about applying for rules. And what we do is, you know, we work with our clients all the time in a one-to-one -one basis, looking for jobs, trying to allay those fears. Um, like, you know, like we've talked before, we try and offer, you know, like a safe confidential space because sometimes, sometimes that can be it, you know, they don't, you know, they want somebody to confide in, you know, because it means something different for everybody, you know, barrier a disability and, Maybe yeah. some people can address it easier than others and other people can't, or sometimes they don't really want to discuss it like that. So, you know, that's what we try and, you know, we try and make it personal to them. You know, it's their personal journey and we try and tailor it around them to try and make them feel as comfortable as possible because it can be a bit of a sensitive subject. Absolutely. Um, and even people. like support for the parents as well, because they don't know what, yep. they don't know what they're entitled to, or they don't know how, you know, what, what their daughter or their son needs or, in that employment sector so it's great that they can actually come in with us and we can like have a meeting all together and they can be as much as involved in their journey as as needed and it gives them even more information of like how they're gonna we're gonna progress their son or their daughter their niece or their yeah. nephew in 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 the role yeah definitely definitely it's great support and you know it's it's um sometimes people can and employers fall into the trap where they've maybe dealt with an employee with a particular condition before and maybe they had to put in steps a b and c for this individual they kind of think that that one size fits all and we say look you know within one condition the symptoms are going to be different the barriers faced are going to be different which means the reasonable adjustments that are needed are going to be very different but we're not we're not the experts so we always um you know promote the fact that look we can keep you right on what your duties are under the law but you must work in partnership with the disability sector who will absolutely do what you have just talked about Simon and Megan you know um, it really is crucial. So Roisin well then what would you say to someone who's listening and feels that their disability will put employers off hiring them even though that they wouldn't they make the criteria for the job? 
Um, I would say that, honestly, um, I've worked for the Commission for 16 years. Um, I have been advising employers for years, and a lot of the employers, um, obviously, that I'm working with are really positive about people with disabilities, because guess what? You know, we all know somebody, either we have a disability ourselves, yeah. or we have a son or a daughter, an aunt or an uncle or a cousin or a mum and a dad. Um, you know, it, it can be very, very close to home for all of us. Um, I think it'd be rare to find somebody who doesn't um, have a close connection with a person with a disability. So um, please don't be put off applying for a job. Um, you know, remember, um, if an employer um, is a good practice employer, they will want to appoint on the basis of merit. How is merit judged? It's, it's judged on skills. It's, it can be sometimes qualifications um, and it can be experience depending on the level of the job. There are, there are good practice employers out there who want to do the right thing. Um, work and, um, you know, work really closely um, with yourselves, you know, with a sport group, um, with the disability um, sector, um, because obviously you've got really good employment support programs running as mm -hmm. well and ultimately if something does go wrong or you feel that you have been um discriminated against you know we do have an advice line for individuals and um, to contact us we know that obviously i've talked about the high level of calls that we get um every day from people with disabilities um but don't be put off applying there are lots of good practice employers out there um who absolutely want to employ you um, and just keep trying you know we're we're working from the legal end we're we're working with employers to say make sure you keep that information about disability separate um make sure that you're making reasonable adjustments make sure you're actually asking that question on on an application um process so yeah. so that you're putting those things in place um straight away and there aren't delays um you know do all of that and like Unfortunately, we know that discrimination does happen. Um, today, um, we have published um, details of a settlement um, for a young man called Harvey. Um, and I suppose I should talk about Harvey. Harvey has a learning disability and Harvey went to work for B&M and he worked um, kind of stuck in the shelves and he worked for about 18 months for B&M. And what happened? To him, he, he said that um, he was faced with um, derogatory remarks. Um, he was ignored at work. Um, people said some really mean and nasty things to him, which led him to go off sick. Now, a year and a half of that, that's a long time for any individual to kind of listen um, and hear that sort of um, stuff every single day. He went off sick and ultimately felt he had no choice but to leave his job. Now, as I said, this is not, his mm. case didn't go to tribunal, so there is no decision. So B&M um, settled the case outside. They awarded, um, he was awarded £5,000, but without an admission of liability, they have agreed to work with the Equality Commission on their policies and procedures. But wow. ultimately, yeah, you know, it's shame, but the, 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 I suppose the saddest thing about this case is now, um, Harvey has said that he doesn't know if he'll ever go back to employment because he's so afraid that that might happen again. Now, if an individual, we all have a right to work in an environment that is um, free from harassment. So um, those uh, behaviours that I talked about, the being ignored at work, 
um, they're being called names, being isolated. Um, that's disability harassment. So um, harassment is um, violating someone's dignity or creating an intimidating and humiliating environment. Uh, this was to the point where he actually left. Um, and harassment is an unlawful form of discrimination. Okay, so I would hope um, that somewhere or somebody um, will work with Harvey um, to help him regain his confidence to go back. He probably, I'd like to think today, he might have job offers as a result of the promotion of this case. But it just shows you that um, it may not have been, B&M probably have policies and procedures. However, um, if staff on the ground aren't aware of them, um, if behaviours like that go unchecked, that's what it leads to. It leads to people leaving their jobs. Um, we have harassment training on our training programme. Our training is free um, and it will start up again in September. So we would urge anyone, please do book on. Because remember, lack of knowledge does not provide you with a legal defence. And employers, you're liable for the actions of your employees. Yeah. All right. So, um and I suppose we've been firing around discrimination, that word, quite regularly throughout this whole topic um, of discussion. And it might be just a wee good idea to give our um, listeners just a wee example of what Discrimination Act involves or a definition mm-hmm. of discrimination in, in the workplace. Yeah, so the Disability Discrimination Act um, was brought here in 1999. It's relevant to Northern Ireland. So what this law does is it protects people with disabilities um, from discrimination in employment, education, and in access to services. So in an employment context, it's unlawful um, for employers to discriminate, treat badly people with disabilities. So that would mean, um, remember it covers employees and applicants and leavers. So even before someone is employed by you, you have a duty to make reasonable adjustments as an employer under this act um, and a duty not to discriminate. Um, So then obviously it covers the employment relationship. So once you're actively employed by somebody and that goes from your terms and conditions, the amount that you're you're paid and the benefits that you have access to, it covers the working environment. So how your colleagues treat you. it covers all of the employment relationship and it also covers what happens when you leave. So, for example, um, you need a reference from a past employer and um, it can cover that as well. And sometimes um, there can be discrimination in when it comes to that leaving relationship. Also, the main duty under this, the Disability Discrimination Act, is the duty to make reasonable adjustments. OK, it is the key duty. Um, Ultimately, what is, it, what is the reasonable adjustment duty? The reasonable adjustment duty um, is the positive obligation duty that is placed on employers to remove barriers for people with disabilities so that they can access and remain in employment. Um, you do have other areas. I've talked about harassment. Um, harassment is always co- also covered under the Disability Discrimination Act as well, um, as well as victimisation. So victimization would occur if um, you have made a complaint of discrimination previously and then you're treated badly as a result or you help someone else to make a complaint so 
The DDA can be quite complex. Um, that's why we run so many different training um, sessions on this issue, which look at different areas specifically, but um, the, the main duty under it is the reasonable adjustments duty. Fantastic. Thank you, Roisin. That is, again, superb advice for anybody looking, you know, what's my next step. And also, you know, it was great to highlight that for employers as well, you know, about just what they can do to support people with barriers or disabilities. Very informative. You know, that's, you know, part of what we do as well, which is going to be really useful for you and me, Megan. You know, we sort of have an idea, maybe if there are more complicated um, factors around how we can best approach it. So thank you very much, Roisin, for that. No problem, no problem. You know, it, it's time and time again. Um, the message, the message that I suppose I would I would leave employers with is this: it it is usually and often the most basic basic things that employers get wrong. And mm-hmm. there are, there are two things: they haven't trained their staff, and they don't have good equality policies and procedures. Now, there are two things that um, that always and can often come up in in tribunal cases as why someone was discriminated against. So, you know, we'd say train your staff and have very good policies and procedures. That's the starting point to getting this right. And you could support them. Is it you that can support them with their policies and procedures, your organization? Yeah, we, and Absolutely. So um, we have a team that works within the advisory um, division. We have a team who specifically work with employers to help either review their policies or refine them or introduce new ones. So, and that support's all free. Um, so definitely employers can get in touch with us and we can help them with their policies and procedures, you know, and then we run the training program. That's why we do those two things because they are key to employers getting this right. And that's it. It's just about trying to improve, as you say, and give everyone the chance because everyone deserves um, mm-hmm. the opportunity for employment so that's it the employer shouldn't be afraid it's not it's not a dirty word barrier disability no. it's just something that no. is part of life now and you know everyone does as you said we all have family members or know somebody so mm-hmm. um it's just important that that's highlighted so thank you very much no problem at all you're very very welcome well thank you very much again Roisin it's been a pleasure to have you on today and sharing everything about the Equality Commission and the great work that you do and hopefully people have gleaned a bit of an insight about how it can help them and um, just people with the barriers themselves and employers so again thank you very much for your time it's been great. Thanks Simon and Megan and thanks very much for asking me to be here I'm I'm delighted um, to help in any way that I can and so look we got a website and we can share our phone number with this um, podcast so Please yeah. do get in touch if in doubt. But thanks very much. Thank you, folks. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that pretty much wraps up another episode, Megan. I, I loved it. I think it was great. It was very insightful. Um, so if anyone has any questions or they want to get in contact with Stepping Stones, please give our go-to gal, Carla Boyer, a little email at carla.boyer at stepping-stones.org.uk. If you have any queries, if you're interested about the course or anything at all, just send her a little email. Next episode, we're going to look at client success stories. So that'll be episode six. So please join us and we look forward to having you as a listener. Thanks everyone for listening and we'll see you next time.